Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast. The US Open is over for another year, but Tennis World has not stopped running. I'm already somewhere else covering a tennis event, and that's the Davis Cup World Group Playoff between Great Britain and Croatia. I'm in Umag on the uh, the banks of the Istrian coast, and it is, uh, it is very beautiful, I have to say. It's not a bad uh, office space to have overlooking the water, uh, the Adriatic Sea, of course, here in Croatia. Catherine, you don't have quite such a view at the moment, do you? No, I've got a view of drizzle, which is, um, I think the less said about that, the better, really. Okay. So. Sorry, shouldn't have brought that up. It's it's sunny outside here, I can see. In fact, out of my window in my hotel room, I can see two clay courts. Do you fancy a game? Well, it's just insult to injury, isn't it? Yeah, it's... okay. Well, we'll leave that there. So the US Open... We, we we came out of it one all, didn't we? Because uh, I rightly said that Serena Williams would win the title and you, you said that uh, Azarenka would win the title and that yeah, was completely been, wrong, wasn't it? Yeah, but I've been thinking about this and I've been thinking, given that it was obviously even Stevens, we have to go into some kind of count back and given that my women's prediction reached the final and your men's prediction only reached the quarters I think maybe that counts as a moral victory for Catherine what do you think? I think no I think that that's not how it works and we didn't stipulate that as uh, the rules of the game beforehand so forget it okay but it is out there on the record now unless unless you choose to edit this part of the podcast which I can and that's fantastic (laughs) um so it was uh, it was quite uh, it was quite an event um but I think when we last spoke we were halfway through and and I suppose the obvious question first of all is what what happened to Andy Murray what did happen to Andy Murray well I've read a lot um, as I'm sure you have too um pontificating on what's going on with Andy Murray I suspect it's something just it's it is as simple as the cliche of you know a bit of a letdown after Wimbledon needs to regroup set himself some new goals um possibly being a defending champion of a slam for the first time was a bit much for him I mean he hasn't become a worse tennis player that's the bottom line isn't it so it's obviously all in his head um and he just needs to sort it out and I've got no doubt that Lendl will make sure that he sorts it out um whether he sorts it, you know, whether it takes him until until the Australian Open, he comes into the season fresh. I don't know whether he's able to do it a bit more quickly. We'll see. But you know, he hasn't become a less skilled tennis player in in since Wimbledon, so I'm not too worried. There are a couple of things here, of course. What uh, one is, a th- I actually think he was a little bit irked by the reaction uh, and the way 
people made out as though it was some massive failure to reach the quarterfinals and not go any further. And um, and I think that. Um, well, come on, it is. It is. Is it's it? It's a two-time Grand Slam. Ch- well, perhaps not a massive failure. It's certainly a failure. Well, hold on. The, the, I mean, he, who? Do, he, well, who does he want to be? Does he want to be a? Does he? Does he want to? Be up there as as one of the perhaps not one of the all time greats in the same breath as Federer and Nadal, but you know in the same breath as a Djokovic or something, because you'd certainly certainly Djokovic would consider it a failure only get to a quarter, only getting to well, a listen, quarter. Well, listen, of course he does want to, but the point is you can, you can't win them all, can you? I mean, there's not if you go back fifteen years, Pete Sampras and Andragassi weren't even reaching every single final weekend of a tournament no but they'd certainly have considered it a a, a a huge failure not to have reached a semis of a grand slam hmm. you know they'd, they'd have picked themselves up and, and carried on um with a plum i'm sure um and who knows andy murray might do that very quickly but hold on a minute stanislas think... was playing brilliantly what are you talking about he was playing brilliantly but he was playing brilli- brilliantly don't um, tell me that Murray in Austra- was in Australia. Uh, you know he need, he was playing brilliantly. I don't. You're quite right, and I don't want to take anything away from him, um, which I'm at risk of doing. However, he's going to come up against lesser. Right. The fact is, if if Murray had been playing brilliantly too, Murray would have won. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's, I think there's probably truth in that. I mean, I think uh, what was interesting is that. Obviously, uh, journalists were right on deadline. We were reacting instantly on television and radio. And I think that uh, one or two of us probably felt afterwards that that we went a little bit hard in our response. And I'm, I'm not actually talking about me personally because I, I, I don't think I did the final set of his match. And so I didn't react immediately to it in any way anyway. But um, I know one of the writers wondered whether maybe he'd he'd suggested that it was too uh, too big a deal that he'd lost in the way that he had um and and wondered afterwards whether maybe he should have softened the, the 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 stance a little bit but i do think that given given what he's done in the last few years there was a clear difference between his performance in that quarter final and everything else he's put out at similar stages in the last couple of years yeah, and and crucial is what you said there. The way that he lost, isn't it? If he if he had lost in a, um, you know, I talked about Vavrinka at the Australian Open. Say if Djokovic had lost um, that match to Vavrinka um, at the Australian Open, there wouldn't have been the same reaction. Say because you know it was just an absolute classic battle, and Vavrinka was you know absolutely sensational now in this one it was a limp performance wasn't it from Murray it was it was it was a Murray of old performance and I think perhaps it was the performance as much as the result that um that people were lamenting in um in the write-ups and in the commentaries the next day um and I don't think there's any reason to panic but I do think I do think that was you know worth Certainly worth um, not. Oh, I don't. I don't know. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I don't think, in the wider context of things, it could all be fine for Murray, and and there's no need to draw, to draw more conclusions from this than than are necessary. But there's no doubt that that was a um, 
slightly slightly alarming performance for a two-time Grand Slam champion I think because what's left for him now to achieve is for him to become a true multi-Grand Slam champion and the fact is that those don't lose in that manner thing is I was talking I was talking finals. to Pat Rafter I was talking to Pat Rafter a couple of days after that that loss and he said you know we're not all machines we can't all just keep going out there and, and winning one after another you know the bloke's already won two grand slams he's already doing fantastically well in a year in the space of a year he's won two slams and an olympic gold medal and he's reached the final of another slam so it's pretty good you know and um and we, I, I think the other thing to to bear in mind he does tend to be the type of player that has to experience something to learn how to do it. He doesn't just break out as he didn't break out as a 17-year-old and go and win Wimbledon, you know, like Becker or or the mm. French Open the way Nadal did. He has to experience things, and I think he had mm. he experienced the letdown after Australia, didn't he, a few years ago after the final, and there were a few rough losses after that. And I think that the emotional high of of Wimbledon plus actually what it took for him to win that tournament if you think back to that last game how much that that took mm. out of him emotionally and I think I think he was not far off having to go five sets in that match mm. I, th I think that's a, a very very good point David um, yes him having to experience something oh, fantastic I, think, um, I don't I don't know if I've heard I've, I've heard that point made um, by any of the any of the um, people as you say that have been um, you know, writing about Murray's defeat since since it happened. I think that's a very strong point. Excellent. Well, I've you know, what a good Saturday morning this is so far. <laughs> Catherine Whitaker has already bigged up my argument. I yeah, must be blood doing out of the stone, like. that compliment for oh, me. Oh dear, I'm doing Just well, yeah. So yes, yeah, so I, I think that we we're in agreement there. Now, in the in the final, I mean, I don't think the tournament as a whole was one of the all-time great tournaments by no. any means there weren't that many classic matches there were a few good ones the Del Potro Hewitt and there were some in the women's draw as well but the final weekend was pretty good wasn't it and um and I think it ended I know you picked Azarenka for the title but I think on the final weekend as it as it stood the winners were as one thought they would probably be really Oh, without doubt. I mean, already in the last pod podcast, I was backtracking relentlessly. I did my best to uh, to hedge my bets, having already gone on the record with Azarenka. Um, yeah, absolutely. And um, at least, um, given how clearly Nadal and Serena were the favourites, um, I, I think they were the favourites by some margin. Um, both going into it and as the tournament went on, um, I think we were lucky um, to have the the quality of finals that we had on both sides. Um, and actually, I mean, it's better. I agree that the whole tournament was not a classic, um, but I suppose the most important thing is that it reaches a, a climax, which it did. And finals weekend was um, well sensational in many respects yeah no, it wasn't I mean that 54 straight rally I can't say I was enjoying it a whole lot when I was having to describe it shot for shot on the radio but still it was uh it was an experience and um and to, to watch it back you know it was wasn't just a defensive rally either it was both players going toe to toe and 
you know, it was a little similar to the French Open semi-final, wasn't it? In which Djokovic started to get the upper hand in the third set. He was one set all, and you started to wonder whether it was going to turn completely. But Nadal, he's so strong, isn't he? He he was unbelievable. I mean, to see him to see him perform like this on a hard court is um, it's taking my breath away, really. I mean, best, and perfor- best performance of his life. Do you think? I mean, do you think he's yeah, in the I form really, of his life right now? Yeah, I really think so. And and I think what's most staggering is that we're seeing. Well, certainly I'm seeing some actual technical, practical changes in his game. You know, he's he's been out there over a, over a decade now, and he's still not just improving in that sort of general way of getting mentally tougher, more experienced. He is, I mean, the depth on his shots was, for me, very noticeably improved from, from previous years. Particularly, I I, I think, um, well, I suppose it, he forces you to, but particularly playing against Djokovic. I mean, there just weren't any of those. I think previously Nadal puts, because the amount of spin he puts on the ball, there would be there would be you know shots in a in a long rally that would drop short on the baseline <clears throat> drop short on the service line even but when you're playing somebody that can take the ball as early and as cleanly as Djokovic can that neutralizes the spin and i think he's realized or uncle tony's realized or somebody I love the way everybody keeps calling him Uncle Tony. I, I very <laughs> nearly called him Uncle Tony to his face. Well, and, I, d- uh, I don't interview. know his surname. Presumably it's Nadal. Well, it's Nadal. Is know. it? Right. Yeah, it's Nadal, <laughs> right. given that okay. his brother is Nadal and therefore okay, could, Rafa's name yes. is Nadal. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Um, well, Tony Nadal then, which sounds all wrong, but yeah, there but we go. Uncle Tony's better, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. It seems I mean, to be the I unanimous inter- choice. We'll have to use this on a, on a, on, on a future tennis podcast because I interviewed Rafa's PR manager, Benito Perez Barbadillo, and I actually said, oh, I've just been speaking to Uncle Tony, and Benito just collapsed laughing at this. He thought this was the funniest thing, that everybody's calling the bloke uncle, and he's got no relation to them. Anyway, carry on. Well, I'm doing it too, David, so you're in good company. Excellent. Um, yeah, just well, uh, just the depth of his shots. Um, there, I mean, there were just so few that didn't that 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 were that were falling sort of around the service line. So few that that Djokovic had anything to attack on, and you combine that with you know the angles that Rafa has always had, and the power that Rafa has always had, and the endurance and speed, and it's unplayable. I think, um, and I think Djokovic did sensationally well to make it as much of a contest as he did, frankly. Catherine, uh, on Twitter, I asked uh, shortly after this final, I asked how many slams is Rafael Nadal going to end up with? I asked uh, our followers on Twitter, at Tennis Podcast, and uh, it does remind me that at the start of the year we had this conversation, how many more slams is Rafa going to win? I think I said two and and I think I said they were going to both be the French Open. Well, he's already won two within Can a year. Do you remember what I said? I, I I'm know. sure it's all completely out of the window now. I think it was more than that. It was you. You thought he would win more. Win more. I know Did that. I? Yeah, I thought he would only win two more French Opens, and um, 
And uh, I mean, I'm already looking a bit stupid. Why so. have you even brought this up, David? Well, you know, because neither the kind of us can remember. Then, well, I'm very straightforward. History. You see, we'll go over the we'll go over the past tennis podcast, and and that's the kind of man I am. Right. Well, anyway, what do, what do you think about how many um, Rafa will end up with? He's won 13 slams, which puts him ahead of Roy Emerson, who's on 12. It puts him one behind Pete Sampras on 14. It puts him just four behind Roger Federer, who's on 17. How many is he going to win? It's too close for comfort for Roger, isn't it? Maybe. What do you think? Especially given Rafa's got that gold medal. And 21-10 Because if if Rafa does equal him, then then the gold medal will be the trump card. As will... In terms of who's The the other two trump cards are... There's one either way. One is the head-to-head, which is 21-10 in Rafa's favour. But there's also, Roger can easily point to 300 weeks at world number one to Rafa's 100. I still don't think that's that's the trump card. I don't. Well, I mean, yeah, it, it's something. It's something, but it's not oh, what it's Roger's going to want to be He's been number one in the world for six years. It's something. It is. But, you know, he wants to be the undisputed greatest. Well, he and ne- to be he having to be resort that. to counting up the weeks at world number one he, I don't think is well, what he's going to be Rafa's wanting to counting do. up their head to head I don't think it needs to come to the head to head though I think it comes to the gold medal I really do I mean all you have to do is count up their trophies what if Rafa note. ends on 16 slams well it's still Federer then for me Oh, okay. Right. So how many is Rafa going to win? Go on. Um well I saw that you had tweeted in the week that Rafa will win another two Frenches um and become the first player ever to win ten. Double figures. Wow. Um and I and when you wrote that I looked at it and I thought, Oh my good I mean obviously that makes it ten because he's got eight at the moment, but ten. Ten of the same Grand Slam, that's like it just didn't look right on it's my daft, screen. It's daft, isn't it? I mean, I remember when it when looks I, daft. Yeah. When when, uh, when I heard that Bjorn Borg, when I was a kid, I heard Bjorn Borg had won six French Opens and five Wimbledon's. I mean, the fact that he's won those two that many times is absurd. But to win six of something seemed ridiculous to me. Then Pete Sampras won seven Wimbledon's. Federer has won seven Wimbledon's. Now Rafa has done what? I remember Andy Andy Roddick saying that his his trainer Doug Spreen had said to him when Rafa won his first one, this guy's going to win eight of these. No. <laughs> yeah, he did. Uh, honestly, last year, Andy Roddick told me that. And um, and he says he's going to win eight of these. And now he looks like he's going to win ten. Yeah. And having done it, you know, I don't want to get into a um, who's the greatest uh, conversation. Oh, I do. Sort of are. But, I mean, Federer has done what he's done with uh, part of the... Uh, the toolkit to Federer's success has been total lack of injuries. Now that's a skill in itself. Um, I agree. I don't want to say oh he's been he's been lucky because he's managed his schedule. I'm sure he's taken every precaution, but he's also um, <clears throat> lucky in the way that his his you know some some players are just injury prone. And Rafa has done what he's done, um, being plagued by not only injuries but but you know tendonitis is it's not curable is it it's it's at times debilitating there's no cure so mentally that that must be incredibly difficult to come to terms with um you know i've i've found myself thinking 
at times in in the past couple of years, will he do a Borg and just retire out of the blue? I, I genuinely have thought that, and I feel a fool now for thinking that. Um, so I, I think that has to be um, totted up um, in the totals as well. Um, you know, it's all about context, isn't it? But anyway, I'm obviously evading the question here. Of Come how on, many get on with it. How many Slams is going to win? I think he'll win another two Frenches, possibly more, but I'm going to predict two. And I, I cannot even imagine the feat that that will be to to have, to win ten of the same Grand Slam. I think that's just possibly the most astonishing achievement we'll have seen in tennis, really. Um, and I think, goodness me, do I think three more or do I? I I'm going to say four more, four, four more, more two Frenches and two on a another surface. So he's going to tie. Roger Federer. Yes, I think so. On 17. Wow. What do you think? Oh, dear, 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 dear. Well, anyway, let's ask our Twitter <laughs> followers what they think because um, Forever a Rafa lover on Twitter says well, more I than think- Federer, says 18. Ben Dainsey says uh, 20. Um, wow. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Stephen Kenny says, with injuries 14 or 15, without is harder to predict, harder to predict, depends how many Djokovic, Murray and the others improve, so he says up to 18 or 19. Stephen Curley says, a fit raffle will break 10 in Paris and can easily push towards 20 overall, he's terrifyingly good. Um, 
Mr. Tennis. Mr. Tennis? Goodness me, that's a very... This sounds like my kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, Well, we can always create an introduction. Not a problem. (laughs) Always wanting to do this, David. (laughs) 17 from Mr. Tennis. And um, hold on a minute. Who else have we got? Nathaniel Brewer says uh, 20 if uh, if Nadal is fit for the next three or four years. Matthew John Reed says he will do to get well, do well to get past 17. Can't see him playing past 30 years of age with those knees and the way he exerts his body. Gordon Dunn says he'll tie with Federer on 18, uh, but on 18 slams. So he thinks Federer's going to win one more. Ooh. Well, that's a, something we didn't account for. No, I mean, no, we you didn't. didn't give a prediction, so... Other than the fact that, of course, I've been saying all along that Federer would go and beat Nadal and and go and win, an, and I've said he'll win another one, haven't I? Oh dear. Uh, Sharon Gaskin says, uh, "Wasn't Federer the same age when he was on 13? Yes, he was. So they won their 13th Slam at the same age. Uh, so in theory, Rafa could get to 17 or 18. All depends on his health." Uh, and that's about it. So, yeah, there's a, there are plenty of uh, people who think he's actually going to break that number. What do I think? I think he will win, yeah, two more French Opens, definitely. And I think he will win three more other than Ooh. that. So I think he's going to make 18. Wow. Yeah, I think he's going to make 18. I can't and, believe it. And on the, uh, on the tally, so I haven't even mentioned that Nadal's got the Davis Cup I mean I know I'm reluctant to include that in the tallies because it's so you know it's not Federer's fault that he's not from Spain Mm. Um, and if he was from Spain he'd have certainly won himself some Davis Cups Um, so I mean it doesn't count in quite the same way um, that um, you know Olympic gold counts for example all the 300 weeks of world number one However, you know, if it's if it's nip and tuck, throw a Davis Cup or two in there and, you know, you've got yourself a greatest of all time. Yeah, you have. Talking of greatest of all times, I've asked I've also asked on Twitter, given that Federer is on seventeen slams and Serena Williams is on seventeen slams, who's gonna be remembered as the greater player? And um uh the the wonderfully named at Ichi C says, What sort of lame comparison is this? Do they play on the same tour? Oh, come on. It's not very nice, is it? Goodness no, me. No, I mean, tennis commentators have feel, filled hours with who's the greatest of all time, and, and Federer didn't play on the same tour as Rod Laver. So, you know, it's just it's just an interesting hypothetical. Yeah, you it? tell I him, mean, Catherine. Calm down, calm yeah. down. Go on, Catherine. Back me up, that's the way. Now, so, <laughs> so what do you think? Who's going to end up being remembered as the greater player? Well, I think there's... I. Th- you think it's a nonsense question, don't you? No, I don't. I think... I For me, there's no doubt that Serena is the greatest female player now. Of all um, time? Yes. Hold on a minute. She's won 17 slams. Steffi Graf won 22. Where's your logic? I know, but I, th- I think she'll get there. I think she'll get there with ease. I just... F- uh, five? I, well, I suppose she is 31. She's 32 almost. In terms of... I don't know. I just, I, I, but I was what I was going to go on to say was it's all about context, isn't it? Federer, you have to see in the context of he has been playing in. Okay, he spanned a couple of eras, I suppose, but he's been playing in an era where he, well, it, it might turn out to have been he's been playing in an era with 
the other greatest of all time. Um, and f for me, that's it. To have dominated the way he has with the challenge um, on the other side of the net that he has had um, is truly The challenge astounding. of? Rafa. He hasn't dominated Djokovic. with Rafa, has he? Let's be honest. He's well, he's had, won he's 17 slams still with Rafa. Yeah, but most of the, many of those were won before Rafa hit his peak. Were they not? He's won his fair share with Rafa around. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think. I mean, I, I do take your I do take your point, and and I and I agree. It's a it's a footnote. It's a caveat to 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 the greatness. I I don't want to talk about Federer against Serena anymore. I want to know why you think that Serena Williams is a greater player than than Steffi Graf. It's difficult for me because I wasn't. I just can't imagine. It's difficult for me because I wasn't um, alive. I think I, I was going to say alive, but I think I was alive. I was just you know too young to know what was going on um, during Steffi Graf's domination. Well, that's not I, I don't think it? of her as being as dominating the sport in the way that Serena has. Oh come on! She, the woman won a golden slam. She won all four slams and the gold medal in 1988. That's hard to argue with. Yeah, I, I, take, she, I take that and that's hard to argue she with. She won 22 Grand Slam titles and part of her era involved Martina Navratilova. And she had Monica Seles against her would as you well. Enter, would you enter Navratilova into the, into the greatest discussion or do you think Graf is already... I, I, it, I probably wouldn't. Uh, I mean, funnily enough, I was looking back on... Because we had the pleasure of commentating alongside Martina for Five Live one, week, one night last week. It's the first time we've had that. Uh, privilege, and uh, I was looking up quotes and so forth about Martina. And Billie Jean King said that, in her estimation, she is unquestionably the greatest female tennis player of all wow. time. I mean, I, the woman did win nine Wimbledon's, which is just staggering, and she won eighteen Grand Slams overall, same amount as Chris Evert. Uh, but you know, the facts are there: twenty-two Slams for Steffi Graf. I mean that. I, th I think the numbers speak, do, do they not? That's that's. Do, do you think Serena more. will? Do you think Serena will reach that total? Do I think she'll reach twenty-two? Well, she's won two this year. I think it's reasonable that she could win two more per year for the next couple of years. I think she can get there or thereabouts. I think she'll get about there. Yeah, I think she'll. I, th she'll I think so Maybe too. fall just short, but she'll be close. I think so too. I think four or five more for Serena. I mean, it's not like they're... Okay, you've got Sloane Stevens and you've got Laura Robson, but it's not like the guard is changing in women's tennis, is it? Certainly not not yet. Do you I don't know, think. It's I, not I like think... there are people really nipping at her heels to to take over her reign. Yes, you know, there, there are people that have been there for a while. There's Sharapova and Azarenka, but Serena has their measure. I think there so, is a good chance that if Monica Seles had not been stabbed in 1993, I think it was, I think she might well now be regarded as the greatest woman tennis player of all time. Wow. Because I remember back in 92, I think she won three of the four slams. I think it was. and um, But she certainly she was dominant on everything other than grass. And she was an awesome player to watch. Um 
terribly sad what happened to her but uh, I think she won nine slams even even with that situation but I think the the stark element of it was that when she would play graph on anything other than um, grass courts she was the better player she usually won mm. and, um, and and that's against Steffi Graf so anyway another fascinating element I suppose it's similar to the the Federer Nadal one isn't it that when you put those stars against one another it was it was often uh, Nadal most of the time that has come out on top so very very interesting and um, and as always a, a fascinating debate that has no categorical answer to it but uh, one that we'll keep banging on about here on the tennis podcast because we enjoy it don't we oh we do we do Hey, Catherine, we've got a special guest on this week's show, Mario Ancic. Do you remember him? What do you remember about him? What do I remember about Mario? Well, it's funny you should say that. Mario Ancic was the first player I ever saw walk onto centre court. Now, I say that tentatively because I can't remember whether it was him or Federer that, that walked on. No, 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 in, in the flesh. Sorry, I should have mentioned in the flesh. 2002, um, first time I uh, camped out... Um, for centre court tickets at Wimbledon, I was sixteen, which I've just just given away my age. Where, and where were you on this? Uh, where were you? Where, where were your seats? Front row, front row, David. Of course, wow. brilliant. I, and now you've asked on the telly, so this is an opportunity for me to confess, which I don't need to. But in the interests of openness, I did also watch it on the telly because obviously I asked my mum to record it so I could watch it all back and, and see, see if, if you I could, could spot, spot yourself in the crowd. Yes, Brilliant. yes, that's what I did, which I could. I, I got a hell of a lot of airtime that day, being on Excellent. the front row and all. But anyway, the most important thing is that I, um, I can't remember whether it was him or Federer that walked out first. Hang on a second, I might be misremembering here because would they, they wouldn't have come out for... Anyway, I think because it was the second day... Yeah, because he wasn't the defending yeah, champion. He wasn't the yet, defending yet, was he? champion. He, hadn't, he, he came in as the favourite for the tournament. They must have been second up. He, he was mu- the favourite for the tournament as, as picked by John McEnroe, at least. I, rem- I remember that very clearly, John McEnroe picking him to be the favourite. And I remember looking at the, the order of play thinking, oh, you know, boring, that's going to be over quickly. Um, and I think nobody could really, really believe... Their eyes. I mean, it obviously wasn't the same as Federer in his pomp being beaten, but I suppose it was a bit like, I don't know, trying to draw a comparison. I mean, I was, I almost breathed the word Dimitrov there, but obviously <laughs> held myself back because Federer you know, I, had I achieved think, more. I at think that we, point. we're not allowed to mention the name Grigor Dimitrov until he reaches another another tour final. How about that? What? So never then. Well. To be fair, the bloke has reached a final, so until he reaches another final, we're not allowed to utter his name. How about that I'm here on the tennis podcast? What if he does something really momentous? Well, what can he possibly do without reaching a final of a, of a tour event? Retire. All right, final of a tour event. Um, quarter final of a Masters series no semi-final of a Masters series and quarter final of a slam if he does any one of those three things we can talk about him again after this tennis podcast okay okay no I, th- I think that's fair we need to set ourselves to Dim- Dimitrov rules he doesn't at the moment he doesn't deserve our airtime 
<laughs> Frankly, I, I imagine he's listening to this. Of course, he would be thinking, uh, right? They all well, do. You're not coming on my podcast then. Well, I mean, come on. It, only because he's had his fair share up until now, and uh, it's only right that he uh, delivers the goods to back it up. Anyway, Mario Ancic, Mario Ancic, Wimbledon. So, I presumably he would have been. I think it was the second. I think it would have been. Second day, I think it was the Tuesday. So presumably we'd have had it would have been Venus, Venus Williams as a defending champion. So we would have had Venus. Can't remember who. She, anyway, what I remember most clearly is Mario Mancic versus Roger Federer, um, and it was not a um, it was not a day full of glory for Roger Federer. I mean, it's amazing to think that he came back the next year and won uh, won his first title. But Mario Mancic was glorious to watch he was absolutely he looked like he was born to play on on grass he looked proper like proper servant volley wasn't he proper servant volley an absolute joy to watch um and uh yeah i remember i remember him beating uh, beating henman in what would it have been two, 2004 ewan mcqueen on tw- uh, mcqueen on twitter says remembers him thrashing henman it? in the wimbledon quarterfinals in 04 silencing the crowd uh, Owen Mitchell says I was there the day he knocked Tim Herman out of Wimbledon very accomplished performance oh those are the days it was it was it was and it was it was somebody beating Henman pretty pretty much at his own game wasn't it um, of somebody serve volleying past Henman at Wimbledon um, which was quite a sight to see um, and it's it's terribly sad um, and amazing that he didn't achieve more really um, because I think he was great for tennis, great for the tour, um, had all the raw materials, um, and was a lovely, lovely bloke, wasn't he? I'm yeah, sure he was. you can attest really to nice that. Fella. Really nice fellow. We dealt with him at Queen's, of course, and interviewed him a number of times, and he's a lovely chap. And uh, unfortunately, his career was curtailed by injury over the last few years, and um, and he had to stop playing the sport a couple of years ago. And I was uh, very happy to to run into him in New York at the U.S. Open, and to be able to ask him what he's doing now. I'm great. I'm here in New York. Um, I'm at Columbia Law School. My second year starts tomorrow, so uh, this was the last free day that I could come see my friends, see you know, see good play, and uh, just be around. I mean, there's so many great memories, as you said, as you mentioned. I was a part of this tour, and uh, you know, it's the big piece of my heart still belongs here. So it's always nice to come here. Did you get mixed feelings in a way? Because you loved the game of tennis, didn't you? You loved being a a player and and here he is getting spoken to again and this is happening every time we we have anybody walk past mario gets uh, addressed by people because because people remember you and and like you and you must miss this a bit um yeah i mean i'm definitely miss playing uh it's you know as as an athlete that's what you love the most is competing especially at such a scene as as uh, you know as grand slams um, and you know, I, as you uh, you mentioned before, people who watched it for the last decade can remember me. Uh, so also, it's the same for the players here. Uh, there are new faces, there are new players, but also I feel a majority of the of the players are still the ones that I also played against them. 
and uh, you know I, I, start, I tried to be involved as much as I can uh, I you know obviously was the last year here I, I went for Miami tournament uh, I tried to come back and uh, watch as much as I can uh, so it's you know it's, it's a privilege to say that I was a part of the tour that I had you know while I was playing that I had a great success but also it's it's nice to move forward. I, I really enjoy what I'm doing now. Uh, you know, being in law school and, and working uh, in that in that um, you know in that sector. It's something that is fulfilling me as well. And um, I'm I'm very thankful and blessed that I find something after sports that it's uh, you know very fulfilling. And I know you spent some time at the NBA, didn't you, doing some of your your studies there and your work experience there? Do you do you plan to use your your law education in the sporting world? Uh, well, obviously, like sport is a huge part of me. I don't know yet in which capacity will that be, uh, and I try not to make too many plans ahead. That this is what I made mistake when I was playing tennis. I thought for sure that I'll play until I was 30, 30 to thirty-four, but then injuries hit kicked in, and I, you know, had to change my path. So I'm kind of based on that. I'm uh, going step by step, and uh, you know, we see, you know, where where the life um, opportunities will take me. But definitely would be, uh, you know, would be great if I can be in some capacity in sports somewhere in the future. We stand on the edge of the business end of the tournament now. You've got maybe Nadal against Federer in the quarterfinals. You've got Andy. Murray defending champion Novak Djokovic world number one what do you think is going to happen the rest of this week who's going to win the tournament well I have to say that um, I think tennis is at the moment in incredible shape as you as you mentioned heavy four heavyweights uh, battling I'm really happy I have to say that for all the people who are listening to us that I'm really happy for Andy um, for the last year uh, winning you know winning here and and uh, the Olympics and then finishing with incredible win at Wimbledon but uh, actually what I was the most impressed is when I watch his interviews after Wimbledon uh, I know that most of the players would be satisfied and kind of you know happy with that and but I just see now, and, and I know his attitude. He just gonna, he wants more. You can see that in his eyes, and that's great for him, great for his team, and great for tennis. Because um, you know, uh, I'm I'm really confident that he's gonna have a couple more majors under his belt uh, with that incredible attitude. And, and final question: Croatia against Britain in the Davis Cup. How do you like uh, Croatia's chances in that one? Um, well, obviously. With everything what's happening around Marin, uh, Silic, that's that's the biggest question. How that's gonna uh, end up? Um, you, you know, we have a, we have a home court advantage, uh, and that's that's big. But uh, you know, obviously, we need a strong player such as Marin uh, to be to be there. Um, and uh, you know, you you having you coming up with a great team with with. Uh, uh, young Dan Evans, yeah, who's yeah, had some yeah. good results. Young yeah, Dan Evans uh, having great results, and, and Andy, obviously. Uh, but, you know, Davis Cup, you never know. And uh, You could I, always get you out of retirement just for that one match, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, now you now we are like, this was supposed to be confidential. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Mario, okay. it's been fantastic talking to you. Okay. All the best with Thanks. law school and, and all Thanks. the best for the future. Thanks a lot. Thanks. <laughs> Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Whole Foods Market.